This is Sports Talk with Phil Cordblue, Chris Bergen, and Pat Daniel. Sports Talk is heard across the state on radio affiliates of the Sports Talk Media Network and is streaming live on SportsTalkSE.com as well as Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. The South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number to call in is 888-898-2525. That's 888-898-2525. Now, here are Phil, Chris, and Pat with tonight's edition of Sports Talk. It's it's Sports Talk on a Tuesday night. It would help if I pulled the microphone over. You would think after all these years I would know to do that. Uh, Tuesday, good to have you with us here on Sports Talk across the state of South Carolina. Beautiful day. I call it a 36 kind of day. That means a beautiful day to get out and play 36 holes today. And um, I hope you got a chance to do that. I did have a great lunch today with our pal George Bryan III. Always enjoying seeing GB3 and talking some serious golf with him, got a chance to get over to Tsunami Sports and see what they are doing. My goodness, they're built. They are building a little um, six-hole pitch and putt to go along with their uh, their golf fitness center and everything else they've got going over there. George will talk more about that on Friday, but it was good talking some golf with him. Things happening in the world of the PGA and live golf, and we got, uh, of course, the TPC this week, which is one of the big ones. So looking forward to that. Phil Cornblut. Pat Daniel here at our studios in downtown Columbia, and Chris Bergen joining us from the Bergy Palace in the beautiful PD of South Carolina. Matt Smith is on his way to um, Nashville. He'll probably be at some honky-tonk tonight, Chris. He'll be in there <laughs> boot scoot boogieing or something like that. What, what is that? Boot, boot, boot scoot? scoot and boogie. Boot, boot yep. scoot. You had it right. Yeah. 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 I, I don't know. Uh, I forgot to ask Smitty who his favorite country music artist is, if there's somebody he plans to go and, you know, like knock on their door, you know, be one of those crazed fans or something like that. <laughs> you would never have to worry about me in that regard. That is not my genre of music. Now, you drop me in the middle of a, a classic rock concert, you might have some issues. But in terms of country music, not not a problem. And, Phil, this is one of the great weeks in sports, isn't it, every year? And I was, I'm was i so excited to be able to flipping through the channels last night and watching Furman, and, and congrats to, to Bob Ritchie and them for getting into the NCAA tournament. That's such a great story. Mm-hmm. Hopefully the college will follow suit tonight and tournaments going on. And and I'm interrupted this afternoon by the sounds of lawn mowing in my neighborhood. I, I can't get into cutting the grass in March. It's too early, folks. We need some cold weather so the grass will die back off. Well, it's coming. <laughs> it's coming. I was checking the weather in Greensboro. I'm heading up to Green, Greensboro tomorrow, and, I mean, we're going to have lows in the 30s right. up there and highs in the 50s. And I think around here it's going to be, what, low 60s, upper 50s. It's going to be a little chilly here for a little while. I can remember going to the ACC tournament in Greensboro one year and just having a massive snowstorm come through Greensboro. Totally really? unexpected. Yeah, in March, big old snowstorm, ice. It was a mess. Can't remember the year. This is my first time back at the ACC tournament in a number of years. I've covered the SEC tournament for the most part over the last decade or so. So I'm looking forward to seeing some old friends from the ACC territory and watching ACC teams play. We had the opening games today at the ACC tournament. 
Uh, we'll have the opening games tomorrow at the SEC tournament. We got baseball going on. Clemson is taking on East Tennessee State this afternoon and tonight over at uh, Founders Park. South Carolina will take on the Citadel. And so we'll be updating baseball for you. A lot of baseball this afternoon that we'll be updating, plus the basketball. And tonight uh, we'll hear from Clemson quarterback, not backup quarterback, not just freshman quarterback. He's not a freshman anymore. But Clemson quarterback Cade Klebnik, it's his job now with the Tigers. I don't see anybody supplanting him at this point. Uh, he met with the media after the first spring practice last night. And so we'll bring that to you. Uh, Quite confident, young man, too. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. He is. Uh, he believes in himself. Yes, he does. And he believes in Garrett Riley, and he believes in what they're doing. And I think he thinks that this offense is going to fit him to a T. Well, it's interesting just kind of listening to him recap the first day of practice and uh, how quickly their relationship has grown between he and Garrett Riley. He was talking about going to a men's basketball game and just hanging out with him. They seem to have sort of – they've already appear, at least on paper, and uh, you know what that means here in March, we'll never know. But it appears they're already on the same page, and, and you're right. I think he the offense, he feels like it's tailor-made for him. And it's not like he played poorly. The opportunities that we saw last year in, against North Carolina in the ACC championship game, and gosh, if it weren't for him, what did they do against Tennessee offensively? I mean, he was pretty much their offense against the Vols in the Orange Bowl. Yep, yep. He did make some mistakes. He had that breakdown mm. in the end of the first half. And that was just a mental thing as an inexperienced player. Uh, just didn't handle that situation well. He'll learn from it. I doubt you'll see him repeat that in a similar situation this year. So we'll hear from him. The Tigers back on the practice field today. And a big day in the NFL. Today was Tag Day. It was Tag Your Superstar Day from the NFL standpoint. And some big-time names were tagged as franchise players by their respective teams and what that means for those of you who don't follow the ins and outs of the NFL corporate system it's a very complex system with big dollars and players you know being cut to make room to get under the salary cap I can't even begin to explain it or understand it really well but I do know that when you tag a player as a franchise player he can still go out and sign another contract with another team but you get you get compensation for that as the losing team. And he also, uh, if, if I if I remember this right, it has to uh, – you have a chance to match it as the, the, the team that has tagged him as the franchise player. You have a chance to, to retain him if you want to match what another team is going to offer. So um, they have two different types of tags. I think it's called one is a franchise and one is called what, trans, transition, I think it is. They have two different kind of tags there um, that allows a, a team to try to retain some of their marquee players if they choose to do so and if they can fit them in under the salary cap. All right, uh, we want to take phone calls tonight. Didn't get to many last night because we were so jammed up. We'll be pretty jammed up tonight as well, but we'll have time to take your calls. And that phone number is 888-898-2525, South Carolina Education Lottery, to ring into Sports Talk. So go ahead and get in line and we'll take your phone calls. Uh, Clemson is up on East Tennessee State, 4-1, to one, bottom of the seventh. And Tigers have two runners on and two away as they look to bounce back from the weekend with the South Carolina. And uh, the scoring for the Tigers, they had a uh, sacrifice fly by Gerald to uh, score a run in the bottom of the second. Uh, Bertram reached on a fielding error by the first baseman, got an RBI on that. 
Canarella. He had a fielder's choice to the shortstop in the second to uh, score a run there. Not exactly tattooing the baseball, but they got three runs out of it. East Tennessee scored a run in the fifth. Clemson came back. Canarella, who's having a terrific freshman season, kid out of Hartsville, he homered. So that accounts for the Tigers' other run, 4-5-0 and oh for Clemson. Tigers have left 5-1, and 5-2 for the Bucks. They have left 10. As far as pitching for Clemson to this point, Caden Grice started, went two innings, allowed a hit. He struck out two. He walked three. Allen came on to replace him. Three innings, four hits, four walks, one earned run. And Lindley is on now. Two innings, no uh, base runners, and he has struck out one. So the Tigers have walked seven and struck out six and given up five hits, and they lead four to one. And in the basketball world, we've got, of course, uh, the, the major tournaments now starting to uh, crank up at the ACC today. It was Georgia Tech uh, rallying to beat Florida State 61-60. to uh, Tech was trailing in that ball game. They were, uh, they were down 10 at halftime, came back and won 61-60 to improve to 15-17. and Florida State ends the year at 9-23. and Worst wow. year for Florida State in a long, <laughs> long time because uh, they have been really good, but not this year. It catches up with you eventually. Caught up with Florida State. They had some injuries, for sure. They had some injuries, and uh, uh, as uh, Leonard Hamilton said after they lost to Clemson, he took he took uh, the blame for their situation. They lost some players. He didn't properly uh, compensate the team for that as far as replacing them with equal or better players, and it caught up with him this year. So Georgia Tech – Advances 61-60, to win over Florida State uh, this afternoon. Did you watch that game? And Phil, I, I did not. I can't get into watching two really bad basketball teams play in a uh, conference tournament opener. But I will say this, and I hate I missed it from this perspective, Javon Franklin's game for Georgia Tech, 19 rebounds against Florida State today. At, out of just 29 rebounds total. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I've ever seen a player have that big a percentage of his team's rebounding when you almost and, and record a double-double because he also had 10 points today. Check Aaliyah Boston. That's a good point. From time to time, right? <laughs> yeah, but uh, you know when Carolina does that with Aaliyah, they normally end up with 60 or 70 rebounds. Uh, and <laughs> It's not like Georgia Tech shot the lights out of the ball today, just 38%. But I would wonder where that stacks up. May have to uh, check and find out where that stacks up in terms of single game rebounding uh, records at the ACC tournament. That's well, got to be top ten, right? Well, yeah, I would think so. And uh, the game, uh, the game was tied at sixty with the twenty five seconds to go. Darren Green of Florida State missed a three pointer. Franklin got the rebound, got the ball to Lance Terry with a second to go. He missed a dunk. Franklin got the offensive rebound, still with a second to go. And he got fouled. So he goes to the line with a second left. He makes the first. He misses the second. Florida State rebounded but had no chance at a Hail Mary. So that's Mm -hmm. how they won, a free throw, a second to go off an offensive rebound by um, Mr. Franklin, who had a huge, huge (laughs) day. And Georgia Tech advances. Now, that was game one today in Greensboro. They do have game number two ongoing as we speak. It's Boston College and Louisville. Uh, again, you don't play in these 
these games unless you've had a bad season. And uh, right now, Boston College is leading Louisville 57-51 with 7.49 to go in the uh, in the ball game there in Greensboro. All right, so we got that going on. You mentioned College of Charleston. College of Charleston tonight will play Wilmington for the championship of the CAA after Wilmington knocked off the number one seed Hofstra. That was a great game last night, by the way, if you didn't see it. Just a terrific, terrific basketball game. I did not see it. I, was I figured as much, yes. Yeah, I you were not. on the way back from Clemson. But uh, that game went to overtime, and Wilmington, to their credit, just hung in there against the team. Everybody, I think, even – I think if you got some of the College of Charleston folks in an honest moment, they, they were concerned, obviously, about having to deal with Hofstra. Hence the reason, the, you know, the two teams split um, co-shares of the uh, championship. But uh, that, you would think, opens up for the college tonight since the number one seed is gone even though they were pretty much on the same plane. But I wouldn't overlook Wilmington. That's a good basketball team up there as well. That ought to be a really good game tonight as well. Yeah, I agree. But you can't take your eye off the prize, and you can't no, take your no, foot no, off no. the gas and all that kind of stuff. Take nothing for granted. A all, great win by Furman last night. All gas, no night. breaks. Yeah, great win by Furman <laughs> last night to win the Southern Conference Championship for the first time since 1980. And uh, got a little nerve-wracking there for them down the stretch. Kind of maybe a little deja vu to last year against UTC. But this time, uh, Furman hit the big shots. They got the big rebounds. They did not let the uh, moccasins make a late run and get close enough to scare them. So they get the win, uh, and they advance. They'll probably be a 14 seed somewhere in the NCAA tournament. Also tonight, back at the ACC, you've got Notre Dame and Virginia Tech. The winner there will play NC State tomorrow, and the winner of that will play Clemson on Thursday night. Georgia Tech gets pit tomorrow. Also tomorrow, you've got Wake Forest and Syracuse. Uh, North Carolina gets the um, winner tonight of the, uh, let's see, North Carolina plays tomorrow night, and they get the winner of the um, of the one that's going on now, Boston mm-hmm. College yeah. and Louisville. Yeah, they get that winner. And, uh, of course, tomorrow at the S- SEC tournament, uh, the Gamecocks play the first game against Ole Miss. And... Um, and so Smitty will be there for that. And then you've got LSU and Georgia, uh, the other game there in uh, in Nashville tomorrow night. Phil, real quick, I'll tell you, too, for game for the Gamecocks, the way this bracket's shaping up, if they're able to beat Ole Miss, a team that we've already seen them do that against, they would then face Tennessee in the next round. I understand the regular season did not go well for the Gamecocks against the Vols, but this is a completely different Tennessee volunteer basketball team. Now with the injuries that they've had, the Gamecocks may have a, a fighting chance to even get to the third round here. I don't think so. I don't. See you don't it. see it? Nah, nah. It's a terrible matchup for them. I know the point guard being out hurts uh, Tennessee, but that doesn't take away the fact that everybody else in their lineup is taller, uh, faster, stronger, and better than the Gamecocks at, <laughs> at practically every position. I mean, they still have all those other guys that South Carolina has. Look, they've lost by an average of, what, 42 points to them, I think, in, in two games this year. I don't think it's going to um, make that much of a difference. I think they'll beat Ole Miss tomorrow night. I certainly I, think I that's too. possible. Yeah. yeah, certainly think that's possible. Um, we've seen a couple of the Wofford players hit the transfer portal, John, today with their season coming to an end this week. B.J. Mack, uh, one of their uh, top players, and Messiah Jones, another one. They have hit the transfer portal out of the uh, Wofford basketball program so with that said let's uh hit the break and we'll get back to you and to your phone calls 
The phone number, 888-898-2525, South Carolina Education Lottery, lucky number. And since 2002, more than $160 million in lottery proceeds has been used to fund SC Hope Scholarships for the state's college-bound students. Learn more about the Education Lottery's impact at sceducationlottery.com slash education wins. Playing for fun is a win for education. We'll be back. Sports Talk on a Tuesday night. Be right back. Parents ask, what's the best way to save for college? I'm State Treasurer Curtis Loftus, and my answer is always open a Future Scholar 529 college savings account. It's easy. You can get started online with any amount. It's flexible to adapt to your child's college dreams. And you can deduct 100% of your contributions from the South Carolina state tax return. So what are you waiting for? Go to futurescholar.com and see why it's the smart, easy way to save for college. Futurescholar.com. South Carolina's largest hunting, fishing, and outdoor expo takes center stage at the Palmetto Sportsman's Classic, sponsored by Farm Bureau Insurance. Come on down for a good time with over 350 vendors, dog dogs competition, extreme raptor show, kids catfish pond, and much more family fun. Hope to see you at the Classic March the 24th through the 26th at the South Carolina State Fairgrounds. Not a good day for Frank Martin. Yep, not a good day. He took his UMass team. They were playing in the play-in round of their tournament and uh, did not go well for UMass today as they were they were just obliterated in their game. Uh, see if I can uh, find that score. Uh, something like 70-something to 30-something. They, they were just crushed. Let's see here. Uh, who did they play? Here we go. They played Richmond, 71-38. Final score for uh, Frank Martin and UMass. So he, they finished 15-16 and 16 on the season. And 6-12 uh, and 12 in their league. And 2-8 and eight in their last 10. Okay, did not finish well. Net of 183. So, you know, pretty similar situations. Well, I guess UMass had a few more wins, but South Carolina had a tougher schedule. Um, they won eight games against quad four teams, no games against Q1 teams, UMass. So, you know, when you make a change, you never know what you're going to get. No magic at UMass with Frank Martin and no magic this year for Lamont Paris. But I guess both of them look at it as rebuilding situations. And let's see how they do in year two. Probably a lot better to judge them in year two than this first year as they're trying to put everything together. Uh, some other basketball today across the country in various tournaments. Uh, Cal Baptist beat Abilene Christian 62-59. And uh, we've got, uh, let's see if any other finals in so far today. Halftime, uh, Mount St. Mary's over Canisius 33-26. 
And UMass Lowell leading New Hampshire 13-12 to in the first half. We remember UMass Lowell from coming down to play baseball at South Carolina. Uh, St. Joseph's beat Loyola Chicago, a team that beat Clemson. That's one of those ugly losses for Clemson, that loss to Chicago. St. Joseph's beat Loyola Chicago, a one-time Final Four team, 72-67. So I guess um, Mother Westerface uh, couldn't help Loyola Chicago this particular season. Remember her? The nun? Who traveled with the Loyola Chicago? What was her name? Mm-hmm. I think it was Sister Jean. Sister Jean, not, not Mother. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> not Mother. Not Mother Mary. I'm sorry. Sister And by Jean. the way, since we're, on, since we're on the subject of former Gamecock coaches, uh, former USC men's basketball coach Darren Horn's got his Northern Kentucky Norse playing for the Horizon League title tonight. Tell you what, he's done a good job there. He actually has done a really good job sort of resurrecting his career. Mm-hmm. All right, to the phones we go. 888-898-2525. Up first tonight will be, looks like it's Tiger Bryan in Lancaster. Tiger Bryan, good to have you with us tonight. How are you, sir? I'm doing great, man. Y'all doing a great job again. But you know what? Hey, I got to give my hometown boys credit. Lancaster Bruins, hey, they just come up short. A lot show. They ain't coming short. We got our things handed to us. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Yeah. Yep, yep. But hey, that's the first time we've ever been there. You've yeah. had you've had between AJ football and Lancaster basketball, you've had a pretty good run. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna have a good run with the Clemson softball girls. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Yep, they look well, good so far. They look really good. Yeah, I was like, I was close corn. I said ten home runs, game got we get us on three games. Well, they get six or seven. Now let's see. They didn't hit one on Friday. They hit uh, Saturday. They hit three, and Sunday they hit three. So I think it was a total of six. Well, I, I, I thought it'd be more. I told yeah. you ten. But... That's yeah, still – they're now second – they're second in the country to Wake Forest in home runs going into today's games. Well, we we, we uh, rebuilding. You know what I mean? I think Clemson yeah. will be fine. Keep in mind, yeah. not having Ammons uh, messed up their rotation, even though they did win on Friday, I was really impressed with their two young pitchers that they ran out there on uh, Friday and Saturday. They did a they did a nice job. It's when they got into the bullpen on Saturday. And same with South Carolina when they got into the bullpen – that's when the run started flying out. If South, you know, from a South Carolina standpoint, like you heard Mark Kingston last night, he knows Will Sanders can pitch better and will pitch better. So that's a good sign. And then Mahoney was excellent on Sunday, and then um, uh, Hicks came in and was lights out. So you're going to see more of James Hicks with South Carolina. Uh, and when Clemson gets Ammons back, and it looks like, looks like Grice had a good day today. He only pitched two innings. Only gave up one hit, struck out two. They're up four to one, bottom of the eighth. So they got to like that to you know see him pitch some. Uh, that's got to help help them in their rotation. They've got some good young arms. They um, what's surprising is the lack of overall power by Clemson. They have the one home run today, uh, and, and Grice has not hit a home run yet, which is surprising. They are relying more on their speed and stealing a base and things like that than they are on power. Which is a little bit different for Clemson baseball. Well, you know they you can get you can sneak by somebody like that still, but if you ain't got the bats and the pitching and the defense, I mean, 
You can do that in little steel bases, but that, that'll get you by here or there. But, you know, I played baseball all my life. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, you know what next month is, don't you? Next Time month. Time to be 60, April 10th. No so way. You got, yeah, be 60. Tiger Brian done made it to 60. Mrs. Uh, Mrs. Birthday. Tiger Brian got a special present lined up for you? Oh, yeah, you know she does. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, hey, you know what they say, 60 is the new 50. Yeah, well, you know, I uh, see March 12th. We'll be married 35 years, and I got a real special present for her then. Put up me 35 years, Cohen. You put up me about, what, 25? Yeah. Your your, right. your wife is a, she, she's a yeah. saint. You you special. You special in my life, brother. She's, she's reached saint status to put up with you I'll for 35 you what, years. I, I, I couldn't live without her. All right, TB, good hearing from you. Early happy birthday. We look forward to celebrating your 60th with you. We'll hit this break. We'll continue with calls in a moment. On final up at Duck Kingsmore, four to one. Now Clemson finishing off East Tennessee State, so the Tigers bounce back from their losing weekend to the Gamecocks and get that win, four to one, to even their record. The uh, Tigers, as I mentioned before, scored three runs in the second and then added a run in the fifth, and that was it for the scoring. Four six and zero oh for Clemson, one six and two for East Carolina and give you some offensive details for the Tigers here as uh, they had, uh, let's see, not a, not a whole bunch of hits. As I mentioned, three of them came from Ingle. He had half the offense. He had three hits. Abrams had two. That kid, Abrams, they put him into pinch hit. He hit that home run against South Carolina, and he hasn't been out of the lineup since. He no, was should two he be? for two. Yeah, he's batting four sixty two. <laughs> so he had two hits, and Ingle had three hits. So that's where most of the offense came from. And pitching-wise, it was Grice going two innings, Allen going three innings, and Lindley going four innings for the Tigers. And uh, I don't know if they've assigned the winner. I haven't seen yet where they've assigned the winner or announced it, but we'll let you know as soon as we as we get that information. Tigers are back at home tomorrow against Presbyterian. Another 4 o'clock start there. Got a wild one going on in Conway between Coastal <laughs> and Wake Forest. It's now... A 10-10 ball game. Coastal scored six in the second to go up 8-3. to three, But it's been Wake Forest undefeated in rank number two. Kind of chipping away, chipping away, chipping away. Scored two runs in the top of the seventh now to tie it at 10 apiece at Coastal Carolina. 10-4-0 for the shots. 10-10-5 for the Deacons. The Deacons have left read, 10. Read, read Coastal's line score again. 10-4-0. <laughs> <laughs> Ten four and oh, yeah, four oh, because hit. well because Wake Forest has made five errors. Yeah, exactly that in the home runs. And by the way, if if you get a chance, we've actually retweeted the video. But Derek Bender for Coastal hit a mammoth home run, one of four that have been hit today by the two teams already. And the bat flip that he has, it's not really a flip like you would normally see in the majors. He actually takes the bat in his hands with two hands and throws it over towards their dugout. Woo. 
It's pretty impressive. Oh, yeah, toward who's dugout? Impressive. The Wake uh, dugout? Or the, no, 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 yeah, Coastal's. Yeah, yeah. Uh, only four of Coastal's runs are earned. Five errors. What is it about the infield there at Coastal Carolina that's causing these problems? I'm not saying. Well, maybe some of the errors in the outfield, maybe they're throwing errors. I don't know right, all the errors right. they've had. But they've had a bunch of them. So that's a good one, though. 10-10 there at, uh, at, uh, at Coastal Carolina. Uh, and tonight, South Carolina takes on the Citadel. First pitch will be at 7 o'clock. All right, back to your phone calls. 888-898-2525 is the number. Andy in Columbia. You're up with us next. Welcome in to Sports Talk. How are you? Hey, fellas. First off, I want to clean something up what you said, Corn, and then I have something of my own that I need to clean up from a statement I made earlier in the year. First off, you were talking about Lamar Jackson. Franchise tags, there's two, exclusive and non-exclusive. What Pollard got in Dallas is an exclusive. That means he gets the average of what, the top three or top four salaries mm-hmm. in his position. Okay. Non-exclusive means this. Um, I'm not sure how they figure what the salary will be, but that player is allowed now to get other offers from other teams. And if he accepts an offer, Baltimore has the availability to match that offer. If they do not match that offer, it's not a trade. They get two first-round draft picks. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I knew there were two different levels of uh, the tags. I I appreciate you for uh, clarifying that. But um, it gives the team a chance if they really want to keep a guy and can fit it in under their cap. It gives them a chance to do so, and it also gives the player a chance to uh, explore other opportunities that uh, he might be able to to take if it doesn't work out where he is now. I kind of like the system the NFL has. To take it a step further, too, real quick, Andy, uh, this will pay him, the non-exclusive will pay Jackson $32 million this season, whereas if they had given him the exclusive one, that was $45 million. So it saves the Ravens roughly $13 million. And also, to your point, this allows – Jackson to engage in contract talks with other teams openly, almost as if he's a free agent. And one team that has already been making a push, and this has become public knowledge, are the Atlanta Falcons. I know we tend to talk more about either the Packers or the Panthers on this program, but the Falcons, another NFC South team, we just saw yesterday the Saints go out and get who they think will be their future quarterback and Derek Carr. Well, now we might be seeing the Falcons bring in Lamar Jackson, which you got to think fans in Atlanta would be thrilled about. Mm. Michael Vick. And fans in, redo. And fans in Charlotte would riot over that because if, if Carolina does not go out and address their quarterback needs and everybody else in the division does, going to be another long year for the Panthers fans. And the fear, Chris, is will that then cause the Panthers to panic and go out and overspend, whether they try to <clears throat> use too much capital to move up in the draft, or maybe they – overpay another free agent like we've seen them do in recent years with Mayfield and Darnold. Who knows? But you're right. That would elicit quite a response from the Panthers. We saw where the Giants paid $160 million to Daniel Jones today. See what a, a playoff win or two will do for you, man. It'll help you in the bank account. And threw the tag on Barkley. Yes. Mm-hmm. So they got their both there. But the Commanders are also some another team looking at uh, Jackson, which would be very uh, – advantageous for them since he already has a fan base 30 miles up the road so and i see now, where your jets have reached out to the packers about a possible trade for the man didn't just reach out mr corn they took woody's private jet and flew out to california and they're having meetings right now with uh <laughs> mr rogers they're gonna dig him out of the cave mm. and talk to him while they're there okay so you know i don't think that i don't think woody would be fueling up the jet 
and taking everybody out there unless the Jets had a very good chance of getting <clears throat> They've done that there. before, though, haven't they? Haven't they gone after quarterbacks like that before and, like, Brett yeah, like Favre? Brett Favre Brett well, they Favre. got Brett Favre. No, I'm talking about didn't they chase some quarterback and they didn't get him? They went after him? Or? Well, they were in the mix for Carr, and they decided not to go. No, I'm talking about in the past. I know this year. I'm, I'm talking well, in about the past, in the past. We've been after everything in the past. Come on. That's what I'm saying. We're talking present. Okay. Mm-hmm. okay, let me clean up some of my mess. First off, I was on your show, you know, what, during the beginning of basketball season, and I said that this Gamecock team probably wouldn't win 10 games. I got to give it to Coach Paris. They won eleven. Congratulations, proving me wrong. Mm-hmm. Well, by good. the way, Pat thinks they're going to make a run at the SEC tournament. Well, you want to repeat well, you what, know, you, heard, what you said off the I air? I heard Pat? what Pat said, but let me let me put this in. How'd you hear what he said? I heard Pat said that he thought with Tennessee being the next team that they would play after Mississippi, that they should be able to go. That that would be a lot easier since they're losing their point guard. I'll tell you just what you said, Connor Corn. You could take 20-something-odd points off that team. They're still going to beat us by 20 points. I think so. Okay, so, I mean, I don't think that that point guard is going to make a difference in us uh, making a run in the in the tournament or not. As yeah. you said, I believe in every other position, and probably even in their backup point guard position, they have better players right now at this time than South Carolina does at the, at the present time. Yeah. And one other thing I want to clean up, it's not, you know, I'll throw a little congratulations to Coach Kingston. I really thought in the middle of that game on Saturday that uh-huh. I was going to be calling in going, oh, they got swept again. So I'll Eating a little crow here, over. aren't you? Finally. The Gamecocks well, told, are making you eat I, I a little crow. Last night. I tried to call last night, and I told Pat I got to eat some crow. And, you know, I'll put it to you this way. It's about time, Kingston, that you took care of Clemson. Okay, so let's take They get beat it together. them two years ago. They won the series. Corn, be quiet while I'm talking. Okay? <laughs> well, you're being uh, you're, you're, you're not being fair. They've won the series two out of the last three years. From that standpoint, that your argument do. doesn't hold water. Let's see what they can do in our conference. And right, you got 20 wins, right? You you and I are that you got the 20 wins. Yeah, I, I might even take that thing after watching James Hick, Hicks pitch the other day. I might even throw that up another you couple of now I'll stick with 20. 20 is good. I'll stick with 20. Okay, good round. I thought you were going to take it to 22. I would, good round I would figure. Be ready to cash in. <laughs> but good also, round figure. Mr. Korn, yep. did you watch the um, Boston-New huh. York game on Sunday? Yes. That was a very good game all around. No. <laughs> Even though y'all lost, you got to admit it was very good. Well, it was a great game. game from an NBA standpoint. Yeah. Regular season game. It doesn't come any better. Uh, double overtime. Tremendous effort by everybody. Players selling out. It was a great game. It was a, it was a finals <laughs> level. What's so funny? You know what, I'm Corn, just laughing at a, you trying to sell sell that these guys play hard during the regular they season. Do. In the NBA. Hey, that they do. Certain players do. How Certain you can say Corn, that with a straight face? The Knicks, the Knicks have won three out of four head to heads against the Celtics. I, I, I know this. I know this. I just thought I'm I didn't. A, I thought maybe I'm a Celticologist. I, I know everything about the Celtics. Okay. Last night we had a chance to win with one second to go. Got an 83% foul shooter at the line, and he missed both. Had to go to overtime, got beat again. Blew another double-digit lead. We've blown double-digit fourth-quarter leads in three consecutive games. I think that's the first time in the history of the game that that's happened. It won't be your last time either, so don't get all excited. No, we're just just getting it out of our system. 
Do you think we might see the NCAA baseball um, get rid of the shift now that um, in every other um, organization above them there's no shift? Mm, I don't know. They were using the shift in the South Carolina yeah, Clemson that's series. Why I, that's, that's why I asked yeah. because I really noticed it a lot during you – and know, I really haven't noticed it that much, maybe because you're just so used to it in the MLB. But I really noticed it a lot during the Clemson South Carolina series, and I was just just came across my mind if that might be the next step that the NCA takes. You know, they're using the pitch clock, they're doing this, they're doing that. You know, they're going to get the kids ready to make a move into the minors and then into the majors. They might have to start doing the no shifting. I mean, I kind of would like to see them eliminate shifting. Uh, Why? Well, because I think number one, more offense is good for the game. Okay, hit the ball the other way. I think number two, well, I think it's hard enough to hit a baseball like it is now. And I think uh, you you stack up a defense against a hitter, and uh, you make it just that much more difficult to get a base hit and takes away some of the enjoyment from the game. Uh, People don't want to see a bunch of outs. They want to see some plays made. They want to see the ball in play, some action. And um, I hear what you're saying, Chris. Hit it the other way. Very few players can accomplish that, right? You would agree with that. That's a oh yeah, no doubt. That's I, a, I can see that point. That's a and, unique and that's talent. A lost, that, it's a lost art. It's a lost art. I mean, you know, uh, when when South Carolina was playing Clemson, uh, I think it was Sunday, and um, they got a two strike. Uh, it was a left handed hitter. They got a two strike count on the hitter, and they shifted the third baseman mm-hmm. over there to uh, the second base side. The left side was wide open. I mean, he could have bunted the ball for a home run. But uh, I can't remember what, exactly what happened. I think he struck out. Um, so, so I, I, you know, I, I just think right now the, the, the pitching is so strong. I think it's like with the NFL. The, the defense has got so good that they had to do something to help improve the offense, so they changed some of the rules. And, of course, the game now has shifted, has changed to where it's, a, it's almost nothing but air raid football. But I think pitching has gotten so good, and and the arms are so strong. And you, tr- you know, look, you stand up there and try and hit a ninety-eight mile an hour fastball, and see what happens. Chris, look, Chris, there's no way I can do that. Any, Chris, have you watched any preseason? Have you watched any preseason games yet, Chris? I have not. I have not seen any so preseason. When you do, you'll enjoy it because you'll see runners that are on first are able to get the third with hits. Now there's a lot more action on the bases, and it's a lot more fun of a game to watch than to watch people shift and take away hits that would be hits and make the game a lot more exciting. You're going to have a lot more plays at third. And you're probably going to have a lot more plays at home. Mm, I agree. Now, I've got, and you're probably 100% correct, Andy. My only issue is I don't like rules going into games that legislate out ways to, to make your team better. You know, defensively, if you, if there's a way for you to stop somebody, so it, it, let's let's use football for example. If you're facing a passing team, do we want to legislate out that you can't run out a, a nickel package or a dime package? You can only play four defensive backs at all time because we need more offense in in football. I mean, to me, that's the same thing. I mean, the well, major I don't leagues think we need more offense in football. <laughs> no, I, I would agree with that. <laughs> oh, and one last thing regarding different rule changes. You know, I heard. Um, talk about um, NCA was looking at running the clock after passes, incomplete passes. Yeah, and first downs. I believe the XFL is doing that. Yeah. Well, now remember, they'll stop the clock after the ball hits the ground, but then they will go and um, 
and set the set the football down. When they set the ball down, and and they'll blow the clock ready to go, and they'll start it up even while while guys are, I guess, trotting back to their huddle. You know, so that means players yeah. are going to have to either get off the field quicker or race back to their huddles. I guess that will cause that. There's always a, you know, there's a cause and effect to everything. And I imagine the effect would be that players would have to hustle back to their line of scrimmage, get to the huddle faster, and then get back out there for the next play would be my, my what I would imagine there. All right, thank you very much. Got to go. Got. The XFL can do it. The NFL guys should be able to do it. That's right. Or that's right. should be able to do it. That's right. Thank you very much. Any league that's owned by The Rock, you know, they have all kind of uh, creative ideas. I think they're doing pretty well, though, the XFL, because they know their lane. They know what they are. As I heard The Rock mm-hmm. interviewed the other day. He said, look, there's 53 players on an NFL roster. These guys are the 54th players. And he said, that's what I told these guys when we, like, when they had them in a group, I guess, before the season. He goes, you guys are the, the 54th player on a roster around the NFL. And, uh, and, yeah, and that's how you have to look at what you, what you have here. Not a bunch of superstars, guys that love to play football for the – love of the game, and perhaps a chance to be seen and picked up for an NFL camp this summer. And that's what they're playing for, the hope of getting an invite. And didn't we see one or two from the XFL make it into the NFL yeah, yeah. this past season? I think so. It's not bad football. You know, it's, it's gimmicky, but it's not bad football. I, I just hope that this year-round football that we have now doesn't kill the appetite yeah. for the game. Now, that. That's not proving to be the case. People are as hungry for football as they ever have been. But They are now, Phil. But we have football 12 months out of the year. The one nice thing about football, even though we complain it, it takes so long to get back to the season, but when it's here, we engulf it so much and love it and you know, breathe it and live it for four, five, six months. And then it goes away. And so you get to re-energize that appetite every year. If, if we've got it where every weekend I could turn on a football game, I know I would get tired of it after a while. Chris, and your, I would imagine the average fan would too. To your point, also, through three weeks, week one averaged 1.3 million viewers per game. Week two dropped to 665,000. And this past week, week three in the XFL, fell down all the way to 571,000 viewers. Then we also had an unfortunate scandal already come out where quarterback Quentin Dormady of the Orlando Guardians allegedly gave opposing teams plays from his own team's playbook before the game and was subsequently cut by the Orlando team following an investigation, which is still continuing to on-go and see if there's going to be any potential criminal charges. Oh, my gosh. Shades of Wake Forest and uh, Radio Gate, whatever they called that wow. thing. When the play-by-play, oh, yeah. when the, not the play-by-play guy, but the, the color analyst uh, mm-hmm. was, was given out. Uh, play playbooks on the Wake Forest team. All right, we'll hit the break on Sports Talk. Uh, we'll come back and do recruiting before the top of the hour. We'll get that to you. We'll update some basketball, update some baseball as well. Uh, Kerry Tharp, we'll hear from him at 7.30. Also coming up in hour number two, Cade Klubnik. And also some Brad Brownell we didn't get to last night. Still good for tonight, Brad Brownell talking about his Tiger team. Hi, I'm Jim Corbett. I've been an attorney for more than 30 years. There's one thing I've learned about injury cases. It's you need the personal touch. You need the lawyer to get to know you and describe your damages. You don't want a case manager talking to an insurance company and then talking to you and then talking to maybe to a lawyer with limited experience at the last minute to try to settle a case. I talk to you. I find out what your case is about. Jim at JimCorbettAttorney.com. Jim at JimCorbettAttorney.com for your injury cases. 
Hope, life, and the great Palmetto. What do these things have in common? Scholarship dollars. The SC Hope, the life, and the Palmetto Fellow Scholarships are funded by the lottery players of this great state. And after 20 years, you've invested over $7 billion in education. $7 billion. Impressive. The South Carolina Education Lottery. When you play, we all win. Show your team pride wherever you go with Founders Federal Credit Union's Collegiate Debit Cards. Get your University of South Carolina and Clemson University debit cards at any Founders office or by calling 1-800-845-1614. Plus, our debit cards are digital wallet ready, so you can pay however you please. Not a member? Visit RelaxJoinFounders.com or one of our 37 convenient locations to see if you qualify for membership. Terms and conditions apply. Founders Federal Credit Union is federally insured by NCUA. Time for the recruiting report here on Sports Talk on this Tuesday night, brought to you by our good friends over at Seawell. Seawell's food caterers, very best in the world in the catering business for about 80 years. They've been handling great events. You know, I was going to suggest to uh, Tiger Bryan that for his 60th, that Ooh, yeah. the, the wife calls Seawell's and have a big old catered feast for Tiger Bryan. That would be the way to celebrate a birthday with the uh, with delicious food and a big old birthday cake made by the Seawells folks or somebody else even bring in a birthday cake. Not sure birthday cakes are their specialty, but everything else is. So uh, give them a call there, Tiger Bryan or Mrs. Tiger Bryan, and get Seawells involved. They'll come to uh, your location. They'll 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 do it for a birthday party, a wedding reception, a corporate outing, whatever, a business luncheon. Maybe a sports banquet, whatever your case may be. 1125 Rosewood Drive is their location in Columbia. Their phone number is 803-771-7385, 803-771-7385. And, of course, the daily luncheon buffet rolls on with the more good, uh, delicious food uh, the rest of this week, 11 to 2 for only 13 bucks. Make sure you uh, get over there to check that out. And recruiting. USC secondary coach Torian Gray has invited safety Kimari Nix, 6'1", 195, of Kennesaw, Georgia, to visit March 18th. Nix plans to follow through on the invite. He is not a heavily recruited player to this point and has been primarily a quarterback. However, Gray reviewed his film, apparently saw skills that would work as a safety or corner. And Nix said right now he talks mostly to Gray. And he's basically told him he likes the film, wants him to come down to the campus, likes his size, likes the things that he can do, like coming down and making tackles and coming down and playing on the routes. He does have an offer from Eastern Kentucky. He visited Austin P for a junior day in January. He's drawing some interest from Georgia Tech, but a South Carolina offer would be awfully big to him. He visited as part of a tour back in April. He also stopped by Clemson. And he really liked the atmosphere at South Carolina. Thinks it's a good place, good program, 
and he'd be very excited to get an offer. As a quarterback last season, he passed for 1,408 yards, he rushed for 1,002 yards, and he accounted for 34 touchdowns. So he, he sounds like one of those types that you just look at as an athlete and uh, you, you look at the skills and you apply those to what you like to do in the secondary, and that's why they, uh, they like him to this point. Uh, let's see what else. Is there anything else to tell you about uh, right now? Um, no, I think we're done. I think that's all we got for you in recruiting everything else I gave you last night. So getting ready to see uh, who is going to be making visits to uh, Clemson, South Carolina, and other schools here over the next uh, several weeks as teams crank up spring practice all across the country. All right, a few other notes. Uh, update that uh, Coastal Carolina-Wake Forest game because it's a slugfest, 11-11. Wake Forest scored three in the top of the seventh. Coastal has tied it with one in the bottom of the seventh, 11-5-0. How about this? <laughs> Seven errors by Wake Forest. I'm actually 11, scrambling through Wake Forest. 11-7 <laughs> by the number two there. team in the country. <laughs> We've got to pull up their media guide to see what the record is for most errors committed in a game. They have got to be approaching it. That's I amazing. Mean, seven errors is hard to do if you try. That is just amazing, yeah. Uh, USC's men's tennis made history in the latest ITA ranking released today. They are number five in the country after beating number five Kentucky. That's their highest in-season ranking since the end of the 1989 season. USC men's golf team today won the Palmetto Intercollegiate for the second straight year by 10 shots over Furman. Individually, USC's Nathan Franks finished tied for second, two shots back of the winner, Tobis Jensen of Mercer. And it looks like Chase Elliott, he'll be out about six weeks recovering from that broken leg suffered while snowboarding. Back at the top of the hour. Welcome back to Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. You can reach the guys with the South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number, 888-898-2525. That's 888-898-2525. Now back to Phil, Chris, and Pat with the second hour of Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. All right, welcome back, everybody. Sports Talk, Sports Talk Media Network here on a uh, Tuesday night from Columbia, Phil Kornbluth, Pat Daniel, and from the Berkey Palace in beautiful downtown Sardis, where he'll be signing autographs after the show at the uh, local hot dog stand, uh, Chris Bergen. <laughs> only other, uh, excuse me, only mm. over Southern 500 a weekend. Only Southern that. 500. Yes, What's sir. the nearest crossroads to a Sardis where you live? I mean, you're near the intersection of what? 95 and uh, Interstate 95 in uh, Palmetto Street in Florence. Is that where it is? Yes, sir. Okay. That's where I am. Okay. Yeah, just, just, we live on the outskirts of Sardis. <laughs> you know, there are only a select few folks who actually get to live inside the city limits of Sardis. In the burb, as they in the say. Burb. In the burb. All right, our phone number, 888-898-2525. In just a moment, we'll hear from Cade Klebnik. Uh, Clemson uh, quarterback. Let's update some things. Coastal Carolina now up on Wake Forest, thirteen to eleven, with a three-run seventh inning. Uh, Wake Forest has committed seven errors in the game, and uh, Coastal Carolina has hit four home runs, two by Bender. Eels has a uh, no, not Eels. I'm sorry, Bourne has a 
home run. Bender has two, and Dooley has two. You say the ball's flying out of there today? <laughs> it normally Needless does, for whatever reason. Springsburg Stadium is uh, like the old Fulton County Stadium in Atlanta, the launching pad. I'm just now rooting for Wake Forest to commit two more errors. If you're going to go all in, let's go all in. Their, their school record for most errors in a game is eight mm. against Auburn back in April of 1966, a game they obviously lost 12-5. So, heck. Let's go. Get two more errors, guys. Let's let's make some history down along the Grand Strand. Today. Well, I tell you what, the the uh, now let's see who has made the errors. Two of them by the third baseman, one by the shortstop and second baseman. He's played both positions, and one by um, somebody who's played second base. So that's two, three, four errors by uh, position players. I guess the the pitchers make the other errors. Because they they're listed with seven errors, two, three, four. That's four errors, but they got a total of seven. Um, so somebody else made some errors, I guess, on the pitching staff. Yes, which doesn't show three. up in the stats. Yeah, actually, if you go to the extended box score, the other three errors are by pitchers. Okay, okay. So the pitchers can't blame. The, I was going to no. say they were going to send thank you notes to their fielders, but they've they've been just as bad. They've given up thirteen runs, but only four are earned. So and only six hits, you know they pitched mm-hmm. pretty well. <laughs> Struck out nine, walked two, uh, but yeah, terrible day in the field. Man. Top of the eighth. This game's probably got a lot more runs to uh, go on the scoreboard. Thirteen to eleven, uh, Coastal. Uh, Boston College has beaten Louisville the ACC tournament eighty to sixty-two. So BC advances, and for Louisville, thankfully for the Cardinals, this miserable season has come to an end for them, and. The Eagles had four in double figures today, so they had some good balanced scoring. Uh, Zachary made that. Uh, Ashton Langford led the way with 16. Zachary had 15. Um, and McLaughlin had 11. Uh, so that's uh, three. And then um, Ligby had 14 for Boston College. So the end of the road for Louisville today. They've just had an awful season, one of the worst seasons in the country this year for a a program that's not used to being this bad we'll see if they have the right coach in place to rebound from this and get them back on the right track next year I don't know they 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 brought in a a former star there in Kenny Payne but he was an NBA guy for the most part wasn't he before he came to uh, Louisville and uh, they're they're putting it on his back to see if he can make it happen well, and how much of a leash do you give him, Phil, if you're the administration at Louisville? Um, he's coming off through sanctions, obviously. So you probably wrote this year off. Didn't think it'd be quite this bad, I don't believe. But at what point in time do you sort of draw a demarcation line in the sand and say, all right, if we're not starting to turn the corner, you can't continue to blame what's happened in the past. This is on you. I mean, is it midway through next season? Is it another two seasons down the road? I mean, how patient will the Louisville folks be? I can't imagine they've got a very, very uh, you know, long uh, leash for him. Uh, well, I would agree that uh, he'll have at least another year mm-hmm. to oh, try yeah. to get no things doubt. right. If they can see some progress next year, if the cr- recruiting goes well, uh, he'll hit the the portal, John, I'm sure, uh, really hard. Um, he'll find some players who want to come play at Louisville because it's a great program with a passionate fan base, and um, and, and you know they'll they'll follow you to the to the end of the earth if you're a good if you're a good team. I mean, when they played Clemson. And they had no reason to turn out in, in huge numbers. They did. They packed the place. Now, they were mm-hmm. uh, also honoring a, a former championship team there. 
at Louisville, but they packed the place and uh, that that sort of bolstered Louisville to that upset win over Clemson and kind of put Clemson in the predicament it's in right now. It's one of the reasons they're they're still on the bubble and not definitely on a line somewhere getting ready for NCAA play next week for sure. Instead of they've got to go to Greensboro and take care of uh, take care of some business. Speaking of Brad Brownell and Clemson, the uh, the Tigers head coach uh, today was named as one of the finalists for the 2023 Jim Phelan National Coach of the Year Award announced by College Insider. This award is named in honor of the coach at Mount St. Mary's, spent his entire career there. Of course, Brownell, 13 years at Clemson, 22-9 and this year, 14 ACC wins, uh, finished uh, tied for third in the ACC, number three seed in the tournament, 15-1 and at home this year. Won nine league games by double digits, most in the ACC. He's done a hell of a job. He's he done has. a hell of a job and probably should be rewarded by Clemson with um, you know an improved new contract if that's what he wants or parlay this season into something else if he decides it's time to, to move on somewhere else. I would agree. I, I think he's done a terrific job and part of the reason he was in the conversation for ACC Coach of the Year and National Coach of the Year honor uh, possible coming as well. I don't think he'd win that award nationally, but he's done uh, far exceeded, I think, everybody's expectations. And he was he was told flat out at the beginning of the year, this was going to be a make-or-break year for you if they don't make the tournament, but they still win 20-plus games. I mean, how do you square that with your fan base? Major improvement, preseason number 11, finished third in the ACC. You didn't get into the tournament because of some bad losses and maybe not enough quality wins. What do you do? I, that's going to be – if they don't make the tournaments, it's going to be an interesting week or so for Graham Neff to figure out what to do with men's basketball at Clemson. Yeah, I'm trying to you know, trying to find uh, the numbers here for Brownell and kind of where they stand with his contract situation. So on April the 1st of last year, Clemson Athletics extends Brownell's contract after – Groundbreaking season. Clemson coach Brad Brownell getting paid. Uh, announced on Friday, Brownell signing a five-year contract extension that will pay him $11 million per year. No, wait a minute. What is this? Oh, no, no, no. I'm sorry. I got suckered into something. I just got sucked into a, uh, a parody story. Really? Yeah. Interesting. And here I got I got it right in front of me if you if you want some help here. His, yeah, pre- uh, his previous contract was set to expire in 2024, but but it, on on in the the very beginning of October 2021, right. the Tigers uh, extended that through 2026. His compensation that's last year was 2.6 million for 2022 through 2024. He'll earn 2.75 million dollars per year, and then from 2024 to 2026, he will get right at three million dollars per year. So, uh, but what I'm getting at here is um, that was uh, 2021 was the last time they did anything on his contract. That's correct. Okay, because if I'm not mistaken, Graham Neff, the AD, sent out a letter. And I've got it right here. Back in March of last year, sent a letter to basketball season ticket holders addressing his expectations for the basketball program. Uh, I've got it right here. And so he said in this letter, in case you don't remember, he said he wanted to take a moment to share his views on the basketball program with the uh, supporters. Uh, And he said uh, they have high expectations for all their sports and will not shy away from the pursuit of 
high uh, highest levels of excellence and championships. The men's basketball season did not meet our expectations, nor those of Coach Brownell. A number of reasons for the results. We realize this is a bottom-line game. In the days following the tournament, Coach Brownell and I met several times to discuss the state of the program, potential off-season changes and plans for next year that would return us to the NCAA tournament. I have an ambitious vision for Clemson basketball and what we can accomplish in the ACC and nationally. Um, Basketball is very important. Aggressive investment must be present to achieve such intentions. Importantly, while we are willing to push in many areas, uh, I am adamant that academic success and integrity uh, remains non-negotiable and um, blah, blah, blah. We must ensure we provide the necessary support. Um, our success also will not be possible at support of the fans. Okay. Um, Clemson is stronger when basketball is thriving. We are committed to winning basketball. We will provide the resources needed to excel. So I, I guess we took this letter as last year when we read this letter as sort of a win or else scenario. Is that yeah. how we took it last year? Though he doesn't say so. anything. No. doesn't say As we go back and look over this letter, it doesn't say anything like win or else. But I don't. I, I think you can probably, and I'm not trying to put words in Graham Neff's um, mouth, but I think you can probably read between the lines there. And he's not happy with the fact they're not making the NCAA tournament um, anywhere close to a consistent basis. And I think Brad Braddell probably understood this was a a big year for him, and he's delivered. He absolutely has delivered. And you know, if you're if part of your concern, concern or at least your all in mentality on that is with regards to academics, I mean, look at their team. All graduate-type guys. I mean, it's, it's not a team that, that is going to give you any problems off the floor. They've been great for you on the floor in the community. I, I think Brad Brownell deserves a, an opportunity, regardless of what happens at the end of the season, to come back and continue what he's been able to uh, develop over the years, but certainly to buoy off of this year and see what maybe he can do springboard off this year. And I, let's face it, still they've got an opportunity to get in the NCAA and all this becomes moot. I mean, if they're in the NCAA tournament, we're not even having this discussion next week, are we? Gosh, I hope not. No, I would agree. I would agree. NCAA tournament should answer. Um, then again, he's made the tournament, and uh, well, he did. They did reach the Sweet Sixteen a couple of years ago, um, and there was that year they came up through the first four, I believe, and won a couple of games. So he's had a little bit of success in the uh, NCAA tournament, but I imagine getting to the tournament would be nice. But is that enough in the mind of the athletics director? Is it get to the tournament and win a game or two, not just make the tournament? That's awfully hard to ask of of any coach, um, especially one that doesn't go to the NCAA tournament all that much because at this time of year, now it's all about matchups. I mean, if you happen to go in as a a seven seed and run into a – or a ten seed, let's say, for Clemson, and you run into a seven seed out of another conference that's just out of the Big Ten or the Big 12, maybe a better example, that's just really, really good, and they lose, is that an indictment on Brad Brownell or is it a fact of the matter that they just faced better teams in in a a league that's a whole lot better in terms of competitive balance like the Big 12? Yeah. The Tigers have only won 20 games 11 times going back to 1990, and Brad Brownell has coached five of those teams. So just put, to put it into perspective a little bit, he's, he's, he's had a fair amount of success at a school not exactly known for their basketball prowess. That's for sure. That's for sure. Uh, so Graham Neff is going to be facing a, uh, a decision, I guess. I mean, he, it's one of these decisions. You said the contract ran through, what, 26 
after that last extension? That's right. They're 2026. Yeah, ran through 2026. So he still has some time left, and it's not a situation where I think it would impede his recruiting. I mean, who recruits high school players anymore anyway? Hardly, right? You know, right. I mean, you're almost doing everything uh, via, the, uh, via the transfer portal. Uh, though I will say uh, Brownell has still maintained um, an interest level in high school players and in going after them. So if you're Neff, you can um, reward him with an extension. Uh, if they make the tournament, if they don't make the tournament, you can decide to make a change or you can just do nothing with the contract and, and leave it as is um, and, and send out another letter to your supporters and say, and, you know, the NIT is, is a lot of fun. You get the host, more basketball. Well, we were 15-1 and one this year at Little John Coliseum. All right, we're going to go to the break. When we come back, we'll hear from Clemson quarterback Cade Klebnik and um, what he had to say after the first – uh, spring practice uh, yesterday. The Tigers have already wrapped up practice today. Uh, Wes Goodwin was in to uh, talk with the media. We'll have that up on our website later on tonight, the defensive coordinator, who's got to prove some things as well. Dabo Sweeney wants a, a pass defense much improved over last year. He wants an improved pass defense, and he wants an improved passing game. And he thinks he's taken the proper steps to get that done. We'll hear from Club Nick after the break. South Carolina's largest hunting, fishing, and outdoor expo takes center stage at the Palmetto Sportsman's Classic sponsored by Farm Bureau Insurance. Come on down for a good time with over 350 vendors, dog dogs competition, extreme raptor show, kids catfish pond, and much more family fun. Hope to see you at the Classic March the 24th through the 26th at the South Carolina State Fairgrounds. Life, it has its ups and downs. Sometimes it's little things like hitting every red light or dropping your cell phone. Maybe it's the bills, rent, or pressure at work. But when it comes to the South Carolina Education Lottery, you should never feel like playing will solve everything. The lottery is a game. It's played for fun. So set a dollar amount. Expect not to win and make sure responsibilities, family, friends, and work come first. Visit PlayResponsiblySC.com. Last year, Cade Klubnick in 10 games for Clemson, 61 of 100, 61%, 697 yards. He had two touchdown passes, three interceptions. So uh, that's where he starts in terms of his statistical career at Clemson after the first season. He also rushed for 139 yards and, and two touchdowns. They want to see him, I'm sure, integrate more of those running skills uh, with his passing skills, but also that air raid offense. They want to see that big arm and that accurate arm come into play, and so does he. Here he is talking to the media. You won't hear any questions, but you'll hear his answers. And here he is talking about, uh, you know, uh, that Tennessee game was a rough one for everybody, including him in the Orange Bowl. Uh, learning from that, getting over that, and moving forward to this season. Here he goes. Yeah, it was awesome. Uh, just great energy today. Um 
you know, you can't, you can't really drop a, a more beautiful day to start spring ball. So um, it was just, it was great out there, super fun, um, just great energy, great uh, leadership out there by just, you know, guys really stepping up um, since last year and um, just kind of got the ball rolling. So, yeah, um, you know, it, you know, it's it's a business and uh, you got to understand that. But, you know, love coach Shreer death. Um, you know, I, I tell people all the time that he's he's one of my favorite coaches I've ever had um, just as a human being and just as a man that, you know, um, just just led led the group um, as 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 people and as men that he wasn't trying to just make better football players, but just make better people. And um, just just loved having him around. Definitely going to miss him and still keep in touch with him. Uh, but at the same time, super excited about Coach Riley. Uh, just super excited for, for what he's going to bring and what he already has brung and um, just kind of a fresh start for this offense and um, just a fresh start for this program and just kind of getting things rolling. And I'm excited. I love him. Yeah, I love I love the offense. Um, it's you know it's it's efficient and it's um, it's productive and you know reminds me a lot about my high school offense. Just you know less plays, but just you know doing less and and doing it better. And uh, I'm loving it and I'm I'm loving the style and uh, just the freedom in the offense. Um, but yeah, I mean no, I'm loving it. Yeah, I mean um, I remember you know getting getting recruited by him when he was at SMU and um, for for those two years and. Um, I think you know he recruited me for a little bit, and then I kind of I kind of moved on to to Clemson, and uh, that was that. But yeah, I always I always love talking to him, and uh, it's just so so excited he's here. Oh yeah, super super awesome. Um, definitely a definitely a Texan guy, um, laid back, chill. Um, you know, just I, I don't really know how to describe him. Um, just a just a, a just a cool guy, and um, just somebody that's really easy to to have a conversation with, and can talk about anything with. So. Just about Coach Riley? Yes, yeah. Yeah. Um, honestly, you know, just seeing what he had done in the past year, um, you know, and, and what he did at, SM, at SMU, you know, in Texas, you know, you know, SMU hadn't been great for a little bit, and uh, they kind of they brought him out of the trenches and, you know, had a great couple of years with Shane, Shane Bichelle, and then, you know, obviously one year at TCU and took a national championship. Um, just, you know, just credibility and what he's done in the past few years is, is super exciting, and... You know, you took you take a guy like Max Duggan, who's you know has a has a pretty good career, and you know makes him a, a Heisman finalist and a national champion, um, or almost national champion, and you know now he's going to be a first round pick. I mean, just what he can do with with any type of quarterback, I'm, it, it just excited me um, just to to see to see what he's going to be able to do with this offense, and um, just you know I'm looking to get better because I got a long way to go, um, so I'm I, I was just super excited about that. Yeah, I mean, like I said, probably just, um, you know, we went into a game last year with, like, 80 plays in the in the play call sheet, and we're going with, like, 30 now. So just being able to run less plays and getting really, really good at it. Um, and But, you know, <laughs> I mean, he's even said it doesn't matter if they know what the play is, we're still going to be able to beat them at it. So just, just being really, really good at what we're doing. And, I mean, we had 15 plays today. In our install, and we ran the same 15 plays for two hours. And like, you're just getting really good at doing the same play in a bunch of different ways. And it's just reps and reps and reps. And it's just you know, it's just it's just hard to defend because you're running the same thing out of a uh, you know 
different personnel, different formations, and um, it's just it's fun. And then you know you're getting to, you're getting to tag receivers, put them on different routes, and um, you know if you're seeing things on the field, you can just you know give them one little signal, and they got a completely different route or play. Um, so just the the speed of it, and just you know um, just the freedom in it is is really awesome. I mean, honestly, no. I mean, I don't really know how many will be in like a. It's just like a. Like how many you game plan for that for that game? Um, I don't really know. I mean, I haven't played a game yet, so I don't really know how many. I was just kind of guessing, but um, less. <laughs> Back there with you. Yeah, tons. I mean, we got two of the best running backs in the country, um, and you know, it's it's a lot to have the best running back in the country. We got the top two, so um, it's it's really awesome to have them back there, and they're both awesome dudes that you know they just love to work, and that's that's what that, that's the best part about them. They love the grind, and they're great leaders. Um, they're they're great in their own ways. They're not copies of each other. They're just great in their own ways, and um, just just awesome. They just it, it's hard to defend a a passing defense whenever you or yeah, it's hard to defend a passing offense when you got a running offense like that. So. Yeah, um, I mean, I feel like I just really got to to get back to just my my natural style of play and just getting to get back there and relax and um, just kind of kind of take control. Uh, I feel like that's got that's kind of when I when I play my best is when I'm just you know I'm fully in control and I don't have to worry about anything. I just get to relax and go play and um, just have fun doing it. I mean, what I learned is just you know stay calm and keep watching film. I mean. I mean, I've continued to learn so much, but uh, just, I mean, right now I'm just working on my pocket presence and um, just getting down this offense. So, yeah, I mean, I would, I would say so just because, you know, about three months into it now. So, um, feeling, feeling good, feeling good. Oh, yeah, like over the past two months? Yeah, I mean, we threw two or three times every week. Um, other than match drills, and we've been throwing two or three times every week, uh, building chemistry with the mid years and, um, just everybody, it's been, it's been great. It's been great. Finding and all that. Yeah, I mean, he had a heck of a day today. Um, he had a heck of a day today. I mean, in the in the team reps, uh, I know in team blitz, we were three for four. And no, we were four for four, and the th- three of them were to him. Um, and he's just he's just going to keep getting better. Uh, he's just, he's a worker bee and just keeps keeps on wanting to learn. And, you know, he just kind of keeps his head down and keeps working and just, you know, he loves to get coached. And, um, he's got all the athletic ability in the world, and um, it's 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 really fun to watch him play. All right, Cade Klubnick sounds like he's in firm control of what he wants to do and plans to do at Clemson as the quarterback. We'll see, uh, Chris, if this is a marriage made in heaven between Klubnick and Riley. You would think, at least as we mentioned earlier on paper, it looks like a, a perfect fit. It remains to be seen, but well, I just, you can't help but be impressed. As young as he is, when Kate Klubnick steps to the microphone and starts talking about things and how he didn't come there just to have another year. they came. He came there to win it all. Uh, he actually said that at the tail end of his press conference, which I thought was quite impressive. Yeah. USC with a one nothing lead on the Citadel Petri. Homers to right center for South Carolina. Back in a moment.
All right, as we join uh, Kerry Tharp for some NASCAR talk, let me tell you real quickly that Coastal Carolina, very close association with Darlington, ends up beating Wake Forest 13-11. to First loss for Wake Forest, big win for Coastal Carolina. And South Carolina's taking a 2 nothing lead on the Citadel as the Gamecocks get a second home run in the bottom of the second from McGillis, and they're up 2 nothing on El Cid. We welcome in uh, Carrie Tharp to Sports Talk. Did you ever consider going to the Citadel and becoming a cadet when you were thinking about your college days? Are you talking to me, Phil? Did I ever consider going to the Citadel? Well, you got a haircut that would work well at the Citadel. <laughs> that might be the only thing that, that, that might work for me at the Citadel, but I have a ton of respect for that institution. I've been down there several times uh, for their sports games, but uh, – Never really gave that a whole lot of thought, Phil. I was always had my sights on Western Kentucky. <laughs> That's right. You were a hilltopper from the get. Uh, all yes, right, sir. Let's talk about Vegas, where you know it was uh, a race that was uh, pretty calm and cool and collected until, of course, the very end when it goes into overtime. <clears throat> William Byron, uh-huh. great restart for him in that overtime, and he kind of pulled away. What do you think was the key for him? Uh, in that restart and jumping to the lead and and then pulling away from everybody, what did he have the others didn't have? Well, you know, I think I think he actually probably won that race on pit road when he got out ahead of Kyle Larson because Kyle Larson was was really a really strong car there towards the end. But William had been strong, you know, throughout the day. I think he led the most laps, almost 170 of the laps. I think he was in the lead. Uh, I just think he got out there. Uh, uh, I think he was on a two-tire strategy. That that helped him get off pit road a little quicker. I think he just got out there and and uh, stuck his nose out there and and uh, beat Larson to the line. And and uh, once he got out there, it, it, what they like to call the clean air, hmm. he was off to the races. But uh, you know, it was a one-two-three finish for uh, Hendrick Motorsports, and, and that was pretty impressive. But. Uh, big win for William Byron, that's for sure. Absolutely. What would you think of the overall uh, setting, the atmosphere, the attendance, uh, everything else you've heard about the weekend at Las Vegas? How would you grade it? Well, you know, it looked like they had a, a pretty good crowd out there. It looked like the weather was a little cool. Uh, but uh, I talked to some people that went. In fact, my son was out there uh, working at uh, – he works at Charlotte Motor Speedway. He said the – the uh, fan zone was packed. Uh, they had a lot of, of uh, you know, personalities and VIPs. I think Bryce Harper was the grand marshal. Uh, you know, I, I think uh, anytime you have an event at Las Vegas, it's a big deal. And I know Chris Powell is a good friend of mine. He's a, he's a president out there. And they always put on a good show. But everything I could see, Phil, by listening to the broadcast, watching the broadcast, that it was uh, it was a really good event. How would you say after, uh, what now, three races on the season, got a long way to go. I guess that's a 12th of the season, so it's a very small right. uh, sample. But how would you how, – how, the, the folks there in, at Daytona, uh, how are they feeling about the way the season is unfolding thus far? Well, I think they're feeling pretty good. I mean, three, three races into the season, we got three unique winners, uh, which kind of – you know, I think kind of resembles what we had last year uh, at the beginning of the season. You know, you had Kyle Busch winning a couple weeks ago. I thought that was a big statement for him and a big win for Richard Childress Racing. 
uh, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. I think it was a pretty popular win for the for the Daytona 500, and then you had Hendrick Motorsports win this past week with with uh, William Byron. So I think all in all, I think NASCAR is pleased. I think this will be a big week coming out to Phoenix this week. They they have uh, changed the rules package a little bit for the short tracks, and, and the first time that we'll see that uh, in action is actually this weekend at Phoenix. And so uh, I think this will go uh, a long ways and maybe telling us how, how some of the racing will be at like Phoenix and, and uh, Martinsville and Richmond, some of the tracks that are coming up. But I think all in all right now, Phil, I think the NASCAR feels good about the start that they've seen. Okay. Gary Thar, president of Darlington Raceway with us for his Tuesday visit. And KT, I do actually still work on sports talk. I was thinking about this before you jumped on the air. The last time I talked to you was before Daytona. So uh, good to be back on the uh, show with you, pal. But uh, I'm guessing if you're NASCAR dovetailing off Phil's comment about the start of the season, if you're NASCAR and you own Chevrolet parts, you're extremely happy. Uh Winning the first three races last time that happened uh, was back in 2010. So what have you seen from the Chevy Mm -hmm. camp thus far that has made them so dominant? Well, first of all, I think, uh, you know, they're fast. I mean, that's that's the one thing that I've seen. I mean, they were fast at Daytona. Uh, Kyle Busch moving over to Chevrolet, Chris, is a big deal. Uh, that's like Kevin Durant going to the Phoenix Suns. Automatically, he makes Chevrolet better. He makes Richard Childress uh, uh, better. And then Byron, you know, Hendrick Motorsports is loaded. And uh, William Byron... You know, he won two early races last year, and then he kind of went away, and I think he's kind of, you know, kind of a little bit of a chip on his shoulder to show that he needs to be in the in the, in the, in the championship talk mix. But, you know, I, I guess, Chris, it just shows to me that, you know, probably during the off season they got to work. And, uh, you know, I'm sure they were been in that simulator a good bit. and uh, But they've been really, really fast. They were fast and qualified. At Daytona, uh, if you recall, they were sitting on the pole, and then mm-hmm. Stenhouse winning, Kyle Busch winning, and now William Byron winning. Uh, yeah, you're right, three for three. I did not know that stat about Dodge in 2010. That's interesting. Uh, but Chevrolet right now, is uh, they're riding high for sure. Well, and they've lost the face of Chevrolet, at least in racing, for the next six weeks with the injury to uh, Chase Elliott. First off, KT, are there clauses in NASCAR drivers' contracts? Because these guys will go drive anything that they can go fast and be stupid with, right. fairly hmm. obvious. And, yeah. uh, you know, Chase Elliott goes out snowboarding and injures himself, and he's going to be out for a month plus. I mean, what, do, what right. does Rick Hendrick have in his contract to prohibit that, or does he put anything in, in a contract like that? Well, you know, that's a great, great question, Chris. Um, evidently, there's nothing in that contract that, that prohibits, uh, mm-hmm. you know, a guy like Chase Elliott going out snowboarding. I know William Byron does some uh, uh, other racing. I do know that Joe Gibbs, uh, I remember last year, now I don't know if it's in contract or he just told Christopher Bell, he, no more of this, uh, you know, weekly racing uh, at, at the short tracks. And so, uh, that has certainly been a topic of conversation on, on social media and, and, and some of the other uh, media outlets uh, about Chase Elliott. Uh, he's going to be out at least six weeks. And, uh, and so, you know, the, the, the question, you know, seems to be is, you know, should these drivers, uh, you know, be allowed to do other things outside the car? 
uh, during the course of the race season? I don't know if I have the answer to that. I mean, you know, I guess simplistically you could you could look at it and say, you know, that'd be like LeBron James going and, uh, you know, playing Frisbee golf somewhere and getting hurt or something like that. But, <laughs> uh, and, and, but obviously these, these guys want to have lives too. But, you know, I was listening uh, uh, earlier to, to another show and they were like, well, you know, these owners are investing millions. These sponsors are investing millions. And, you know, at what point do you do you have to kind of take that into consideration? But, yeah, it's a tough blow, certainly, for Hendrick Motorsports. I feel bad for Chase Elliott uh, getting hurt like that. But, you know, if you break your tibia like that, I, I'm sure that's going to be a tough road back. And you brought up sponsorship, and it's interesting. I'm looking at a facial shot basically from the torso up of Chase Elliott on NASCAR's Twitter page, and I counted six sponsors just on his racing suit that have to be devastated, especially Napa, which is his major sponsor. KT, I mean, does he deserve, because he got hurt away from the track doing something he enjoys, obviously, but in your mind, does he deserve, because I would think he's going to have to get a waiver now to be able to get enough points to get into, uh, unless he wins, but uh, to uh, will he be able to race enough to get into the playoffs? Well, you know, unless they change the rules, Chris, uh, he will get a waiver. I mean, there's precedent on something like this happen. It's been several years ago, but if you recall, Tony Stewart got hurt out. I think he was out doing something out in the desert. I mean, he wasn't, you know, riding camels or anything, but he was doing something out there, you know, on some type of a, uh, of a, of a off, off terrain vehicle and uh, really hurt himself pretty badly, I think. And so he got a waiver, but uh, you know, this I think will cause NASCAR uh, maybe to to reevaluate. I don't think they'll do it during the course of the season, but maybe they'll evaluate in the off season that if there's an injury that is it is you know unrelated to to your racing, uh, you know, in a NASCAR uh, uh, you know weekend event, then maybe they'll look at it. I don't know, but right now I would I would uh, most certainly think he'll get a waiver at some point once he is uh, cleared and ready to go back to competition. All right, they go to Phoenix this weekend, and the countdown to Darlington continues. I know you guys are uh, got your campaign going to get folks uh, to mm-hmm. purchase those tickets. Throwback weekend coming yeah. up in May at Darlington. It'll be here before uh-huh. we know it. Right. And uh, how are things going sales-wise with tickets? How can folks get those tickets before they can't get those tickets? Sure, it's going really well, Phil. We're 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 a little bit ahead of last year, which is always a good thing. Uh, I think we're like sixty six days away, which you know, is not that quick. I mean, you, I can remember we were, you know, it just seemed like yesterday we were ninety days away or something. So they're clicking by very very quickly. So fans get on our website, DarlingtonRaceway.com, or they can call eight six six four five nine seven two two three. Uh, and, and I want to reiterate what I think I said this last week. The top 75 drivers, uh, those that are still living, obviously, uh, are going to be invited back to Darlington. The, the top 50 were already selected back in 1998 when it was the 50th anniversary of NASCAR. So there's been uh, a new 25 has been selected. Now, I don't know who these drivers are, but they've already been selected. And you got to believe that some of them are still living, but you know, to be able to have these drivers back at one weekend uh, at Darlington is going to be an opportunity that probably might not happen again in, in our lifetime. So I encourage fans to come out there. we got a lot of cool things that we're going to do with these drivers, and, and I think fans will want to come out and make sure they're a part of it. 
And we've got the driving on the track coming up as well. We had that last week, Phil. I oh. uh, look for your Pinto out there. Sorry. I did not see it. Uh, I'm not sure it would have passed inspection. The emissions <laughs> on that Pinto probably are still uh, uh, not not up to snuff. But, yeah, we had it last weekend. We had a good turnout. Uh, and and our next one will be May the 10th, which will be race week uh, for our throwback weekend. Sounds good. Sorry I missed it. I was tied up with this thing called USC Clemson Baseball. Which oh, was yeah. big over Definitely. the weekend. I'm so sure you were. Absolutely. That, but I would Absolutely. love to have gone out there and um and and done a burnout for you and, and left some rubber and you know, I was yeah. have we have we filled in a few more cracks in the track since last year? Absolutely, Phil. I mean there's there's I, I, let's put it this way. You need to come over and get get you know, Chris already lives down the road, so you get Chris, you and Bergen come over one afternoon, I'll get you in the pace car. I'll get you up close to the wall and ah, see how you like love that. Now, that is a plan, KT. We're going to hold you to <laughs> that. <laughs> Absolutely. I want you guys to do it. Bring bring Chris. He's been over there. And like I said, he, he could find the place in his sleep. So you guys come on over and, and check us out. Just have a couple of puke bags in the car with you, and we'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Absolutely. And I'm not si- signing any waivers or anything like that. We're going we're gonna to really test our faith in you when that happens. <clears throat> Yeah, we'll see about that, Phil. <laughs> All right, KT. Thank you, my man. Thanks, Kerry. Appreciate Thank it you, very guys. much. All right, Kerry Tharp with us here on Sports Talk. Appreciate him being with us. All right, that's a plan, uh, CB. we got to do that. Love it. Yeah, I, I, I like that all, idea. All over and, and we can stuff Pat in the trunk of the car if he wants to go for a ride as well. <laughs> Have all three of us here. But, no, that'd be a lot of fun. We ought to do that. I and then just do the show. Just do the show from Darlington that night. We'll We'll make a plan. I like it when a plan comes together. We'll make a plan on that. All right, real quick, um, South Carolina Citadel, you got the Gamecocks up 2-0, bottom of the third, and uh, the Gamecocks have those two home runs. Pitching for South Carolina is Jones. He's gone three innings. He struck out six, given up three hits, but he struck out six, hit one batter. So he's got some nasty stuff going. You strike out six in three innings. That's uh, that's good stuff going. After the break, we're going to hear from Clemson basketball coach Brad Brownell as he talks about the Tigers in the ACC tournament coming up. George Bryant for Tsunami Bar Sports. Our inventor, David Abernathy, has always said Tsunami Bar technology allows us to take the training to the grass. Now I know through my sport of golf that natural agility can be converted to athletic ability. And why is this, Tsunami Robbie? Transferring the training to the grass. This may be the most undervalued characteristic of the Tsunami Flexible Bar technology. The Tsunami Bar action loads and unloads at the concentric and eccentric transition points. This is what we call reversal forces. And the Tsunami Bar is the only bar and training device that I know of that can train these reversal forces adequately at speed. Hey, this is Phil Kornblut. The Tsunami Bar is a terrific training device, whether you're working on your fitness or your golf game. It's convenient, it's easy to use, and you won't feel beat up afterwards. Be sure to click on the digital ad on sportstalksc.com and get 5% off any order using promo code BBB5. Don't wait. Order today. 
Major Billy Downer here from the Department of Natural Resources, and DNR is excited to announce the implementation of Go Outdoors SC, a new online licensing and boat titling system that you can access right from your phone. Through this new system, customers can purchase their hunting and fishing licenses, renew their boats, apply for lottery hunt opportunities, and complete electronic harvest reporting requirements. For more information, visit Go Outdoors SC at your local app store. Parents ask, what's the best way to save for college? I'm State Treasurer Curtis Loftus, and my answer is always open a Future Scholar 529 college savings account. It's easy. You can get started online with any amount. It's flexible to adapt to your child's college dreams. And you can deduct 100% of your contributions from the South Carolina state tax return. So what are you waiting for? Go to futurescholar.com and see why it's the smart, easy way to save for college. Futurescholar.com. All right, Clemson heading off to Greensboro. They don't play till late Thursday night against uh, either NC State or uh, Virginia Tech or Notre Dame. Virginia Tech and Notre Dame are playing in the game right now. I'll give you an up- update on that and also tell you, well, Notre Dame, Virginia Tech, uh, Hokies up at the half 33-32. And Wilmington late in the half is leading Charleston 25-22 championship game of the CAA, 147 to go in the half there. Uh, Brad Brownell, Clemson basketball coach, met with the media yesterday. And here are some of his thoughts about where his team stands going into a tournament, how they've been playing. Uh, Of course, he announced yesterday Alex Hemingway is out after having an emergency appendectomy. But everybody else is ready to go, and he's optimistic they can uh, have a nice stay in Greensboro. Yeah, it is. And you can't control it, you know, so most of the time I haven't thought much about it. Could I be prepared um, to retire? Yesterday being an off day and, and just kind of being able to take a deep breath um, and look at it a little bit. Uh, and I didn't study it by any chance, but I've had a couple of my staff members that have kind of looked at it. And, you know, it's, it's hard because there's always there's a blemish on everybody's resume and there's usually something good on everybody's resume. Um I do think, you know, we, we haven't had as many quad one opportunities as we would like as we get most years. Um, you know, our four quad one wins right now, three of them are road wins, which I think is significant because it is very hard to win on the road against quality teams. And that's part of where this whole thing came from was, you know, who can you beat? That's part of it. You know, with our stain is obviously we've lost to a couple teams that haven't haven't had good years. But we've certainly have proved that we can beat good teams and beat them away from home. I think we've only had one quad one home game. It was the Duke game. So all of our quad one opportunities, and there have been seven right now, six of them have either been neutral or away, uh, five away maybe and, and one neutral. And, uh, you know, we're three and three in those and then one and oh on the home game. So that I think is significant, um, you know, um, I think we're the only one my, my staff saw, you know, the one of the projections or what whatnot. Maybe there's 16 teams that are last four in, last four buys, first four out, next four out, and we're the only one with a winning record in quad one. Um, you know, I was kind of asked about this, some of this stuff after the game on on uh, 
Saturday and I hadn't looked at it well enough to know any of this stuff. Um, so I, there, I do think there are some things in our favor, but you got to look for them, right? Um, how much are people going to do that? I don't know. It's, you know, is what's, what's worse, a bad day or what's better, a couple good days, right? Like what, what are you going to, what are you going to examine? I think some of it, the whole thing, you know, I, I, ringing in my ears, Jay Billis, who can you beat, right? Like you got to prove that you can beat tournament teams. Well, you know, we've certainly proved that. Um, and there is even some teams in our league that, you know, we've beaten that seem to be in. Um, so, you know, the best thing we can do is go play well this weekend and, and take care of our own business. Um, but I have looked at it a little bit more yesterday for the first time, delved in into a little bit of some of the details that, that, that people would look at. But, you know, it's, it is, it is strange to be sitting here third in the ACC and, you know, still a little bit on pins and needles. Yeah, I don't know. I, you know, obviously what I don't know, I don't know all the, the intricacies. I haven't looked at it enough. You know, I do think there are some things with, um, you know, offensive and defensive efficiency and, and some of that then results in margin of victory because you're, you know, and then it's like, all right, are you leaving your better players in more to make sure that you win by more so that your offensive efficiency numbers are better and your defensive efficiency numbers are better? Like, I mean, I'll be honest, in the last week or two, I've thought about some of that in games, right? And it's like to be thinking about that isn't – I don't like it. Um you know, it's, you know, it, it's, it's hard, but when you're on the bubble and you're trying to think of every possible way to put your best foot forward, um, you know, so I, to try to understand it all, I, I don't know that you can, I don't know that it's the be all end all because there's, you know, again, there's, there was the year that we were 33 and 35 with NC state and didn't make it. And there were teams behind us that got picked I know Rutgers or somebody made it at 77 one year. Um, so I don't think it's strictly the net. Um, you know, there's a lot more that goes into it. It's just a tool that they're using. Um, but like a lot of tools, it can be manufactured based on uh, numbers. Uh, yeah, we'll find out who we play and we'll play them. Uh, you know, they're different, though. Um a lot of the teams are different. We have played uh, NC State and Notre Dame much more recently. It's been a while since we played Tech. Um, you know, NC State's going to be more athletic, more full-court basketball. You know, Notre Dame and and Virginia Tech are going to be a little bit more half-court uh, style. So, you know, whoever is we play will have won a game and be playing well. And maybe won two games uh, and be playing well. And so, you know, when you get to that point, a lot of the things don't matter. Um, tournament basketball is just – it's different. And uh, um, you're going to have to play really well to win. All right, Brad Brownell, we'll see how the Tigers play on uh, Thursday night. They've got the last game of the night. And uh, I don't know, Chris, uh, this is a great opportunity for them uh, the tournament is there for the taking. Yeah, Virginia looks good. Miami looks good. But Clemson proved they can play with both of them in close losses. And everybody else, except for North Carolina, you know, they've they've been able to beat at least once during the season. 
Yeah, I was going to say there's not. I don't think there's a clear cut favorite going into Greensboro this year as we've had in you know years past, where you just said, all right, North Carolina is so much better, or Virginia is much much better. I, I don't know that we have that, and I think that plays right into the hands of a team like Clemson, who is solidly built. Uh, on what they do, and I think they can give anybody a run for their money, and I still think they probably need to, at least on Thursday, uh, get through that first game and then see what happens Friday and Saturday. Okay, I will be in Greensboro tomorrow. We'll be in Nashville tomorrow, and uh, Chris and Pat will be with us from their location. Citadel has scored. It's a 2-1 South Carolina lead, top of the fourth. Thanks for being with us. We've enjoyed it. Have a great night. We'll see you tomorrow. Thank you.